Hello, I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and this is What's Your Superpower, the podcast. Do you know you have superpowers? We all have some kind of superpower that is hidden from view. What's your, what is a superpower? It's an ability or power that you use all the time that goes beyond your limiting beliefs. Your knowledge, creativity, empathy or leadership abilities could be seen as your superpower. You need to discover them and once these superpowers are discovered, we can then develop them further through dedication, practice and hard work. Okay. Now, my guest this week is Adam Stanecki and he's known as the Breath Geek and we'll talk more about that. He's a certified, how do you say that? You take home. There's a certified Buteco method instructor and an Oxygen Advantage advanced instructor. Also teaches and practices pranayama. He suffered with severe asthma as a child and taught himself how to breathe through his, his symptoms. This is where his breath journey began. His journey toward health and wellness has seen him study TCM, massage, fitness, therapy and multiple breath methods. Adam has always been a cutting edge of wellness practice. He's owned one of Australia's first CrossFit gyms from 2006 to 2015 when no one knew what CrossFit was. He now teaches people the power of breath, an art that has largely been forgotten. Thank you, Adam, and thank you for being on my podcast, What's Your Superpower? Wow, that's a great question to open up with, isn't it? And I actually was pondering this a little bit myself, and I think it would be a bit too obvious to say it's got something to do with the breath because I think it's deeper than that. I think my superpower is making complicated things simple. So making complicated things simple, what do you mean by that? Well, for example... If you think of, I'll link this back to breathing and it might sort of explain how I ended up becoming the breath geek rather than a therapist or a coach or a mentor. It took me a while moving through all of those phases, owning a gym, being a strength and conditioning coach, being a mentor, being a business coach, being a therapist, all of these different things that in some way have some kind of a thread of helping other people get better at something. Some, some aspect of their life that they need some assistance in. And every way through that, there are complicated activities. So you think about a gym. In a CrossFit gym, we would teach Olympic weightlifting. It's a very complicated move. Like pick, pick one of, let's, let's, let's say the snatch. So you're taking a bar from the ground up past the frontal area of your body, above your head, receiving the bar in a strong position, back down in a low squat and then standing up with the weight above your head. Meanwhile, not dropping it, not ruining and rupturing anything. And there's a lot going on. We've got triple extension. We've got postural requirements. There's breathing requirements. There's every joint you can think of is doing something. How do you teach someone who's never lifted a weight off the ground that you have to be able to articulate it in a way that they can receive the information? Now, that might be breaking it down. It might be listening to them and learning how they speak so you can use their own language. It might be connecting it to something they already know. Sitting on the toilet, getting up and down off the toilet, for example. Getting into That's a good practice whatever. for squatting. <laughs> it's great practice for squatting. You already do it. I'm not asking you to do anything that you haven't done before. It's just you won't have an Olympic barbell above your head. <laughs> And your pants will be pulled up. <laughs> and you'll be breathing, breathing reasonable, not panting. Yeah, well, it depends, depends on what you've been eating, but let's maybe not get into that too. Early. No, no, please. So, <laughs> yes, so that sort of became what made me a good coach in the gym was that I could articulate these things and give people cues that inform better movement without them having to sit down and 
write algebra on the whiteboard to try and work out the you know, angle of this and the dangle of that. And let's just keep it simple, change one thing, refine that, move along, rather than trying to get it perfect straight away. Same thing is true of breathing. But let me let me stop you there because when you're teach when you're teaching that exercise, they have to be breathing as well to be able to manage. They have to breathe all the way through that. But most of the time, you'll find people hold their breath, particularly when they're lifting weights or doing something above their head. They forget to breathe because they're concentrating on everything else. How did you teach them to breathe through the exercise as well? It's a really good question. So the first thing is noticing what's happening in the movement because there's a strong correlation between functional breathing and functional movement. Now, my understanding of breathing when I was working in the gym was nowhere near the level it's at now. But back then, it was a matter of observation and watching, and then you could you, you could see a, you could see a number of things. One impaired movement. You could see the color of the skin change. You could see an inability to do what what would be expected of someone of that height, weight, ability, so on and so forth. And you could always just come back to watching the breathing. Like the, your basic high-low, are they breathing high, are they breathing low, are they not breathing at all? And you can see when someone holds the breath, like they almost lock everything down. You can see this in an office space, right, when someone's concentrating so hard on the proposal that they've got to get out that they just completely forget and basically having apneas just at the screen, not while asleep. So often I didn't give anyone a lot of... I mean, I talked about bracing and I talked about Valsalva and I would talk about all of these things, Lucy, and then it would be, what's happening to me? Do you realise what's happening in this And so for many people, it just became, again, cueing something, and I might not even cue the breath. I might cue something else that would then make them breathe in, in a way that they needed to breathe without actually having to draw their attention to something that maybe I was thinking that might be too complicated for them to get their heads around while they're trying to pull half their body weight off the ground, put it above their head and get back up again. For example, you can go to basic movements as well, like holding a plank. How do you breathe when you hold a plank? How do you, you know, any of those kind of static movements or what they call animal movements now, or, you know, natural movement, moving the body in certain ways. As a start, just don't hold your breath. Like, can you find a natural rhythm that will allow you to move? That's a good place to start. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. But we do complicate it, though, don't we? Because I'm just thinking about doing a plank. And the first thing that we do is we get in that position or supposed correct position. And we're holding our breath because we try to pull our stomach up, tuck our bum in, you know, keep our head level with our shoulders and all these sorts of things. And you're holding your breath because you're concentrating on something else. When mm -hmm. breathing through it makes it so much easier. So much easier. So much easier. So sometimes because you know, a plank, for the most part, isn't a dangerous exercise. So you no. might be able to allow someone to hold their breath and fail at the plank and then say, were you holding your breath? And so you'll get yes, no, which is a lie, well, I don't know. And then based on Based on that response, you can tweak the movement. So if someone realizes they're holding the breath, you say, oh, well, you learned something. Now what are you going to do differently this time? Test it out this way. See what happens if you just keep your mouth shut, breathe through your nose. Hold the same position, assuming they got the position right, which as we know, again, the plank's one of these beautiful positions. It's actually quite complicated. It doesn't it's look hard like work. It. Yeah. To get into the right position, I saw someone doing it the other day and my, uh, my eyeballs almost fell out of my head. I was so upset. With, <laughs> I just like, oh, this is like ruining my fitness sensibilities. But I didn't say anything. It's not my place. They had the most drooped pelvis I'd ever seen. And all I could just like, no activation in any, there's no midline stability, abdominals no. doing nothing. The pelvis no is core. tilted in the wrong way. It's the core. Couldn't they didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. And it's, oh, I've got to stop. You're not a gym person anymore, Adam. Well, you know, you never lose it. It's always there. Oh, good. No. My, my point being that that is actually quite a complicated movement, and all you're doing is trying to hold a straight line between your shoulders and your ankles. 
But in order to do that, there's a lot you need to understand. So how do you simplify that instruction? What's you the have simplest to be a, way that you can teach someone to do it? You have to be aware of your body. And most people aren't aware of the alignment of their body. They think they're standing straight or they think, you know, they think they've got their shoulders back and their head up and they haven't got a pokey head and all this sort of stuff. And they're not doing it at all. Exactly. So sometimes it's contextual how you can make that simple is that you can give it some context. I remember doing the squat with people and I would lie them on the back. So yoga position would be shavasana, which is just lying flat in the back, corpse pose. Your heels are about shoulder width. Your hands are out so your chest is open. And if you're lying there comfortably, you're in a pretty straight line. And so how then without without cueing how can you achieve that position when you change your orientation yeah so i guess some part of this idea of simplifying things is almost entering the discussion through the back door instead of the front door so instead of saying the obvious like it's a squat you have to your shoulder blades have to be in the right position. I'm not going to bother talking about muscles because we'll probably get excited about it, but everyone else is listening and be like, oh, what's a rhomboid? It's, no, let's not worry about that. And then talk about where the pelvis needs to be. Talk about where your knees are, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we've got to have some stability here, but we don't have to be too tense. You just have to be doing enough work. So instead of talking about all these things, lie on your back, but I need to do a plank on my front. Yeah, let's not worry about that for a moment. Lie on your back. Let's get a position. Let's get a... Let's get a Place from where to start, a baseline, lie on your back, shavasana, corpse pose. What's that? Lie on your back, sh sh heels shoulder width apart. Nothing's really going on. Your arms are open, so your chest's open. Your palms are facing up. All right, what does that feel like? Yeah, okay, so everything feels like it's like this. Okay, can you hold that kind of a little bit rigid now, even though you don't have to? Yeah, I can do that. All right, now, can you do that facing the other way? Let's get on your elbows. What do you need to do to achieve that? Rather than me queuing a thousand and one things, this is what a straight line feels like. Can you achieve that when your body's in the opposite orientation? I used to do this with people when they would tell me that their head wasn't projecting forward when they were walking. So I would go, right-o. <laughs> of course it is. You're all doing it. Why? Because that's the direction you're going in. So I would put them up against a wall, tilt their head, push it against the wall, open up their chest, and I want you to stay in contact with the wall like that just for a couple of minutes and then walk away from the wall. And that's what straight is. And they'd be like, oh, wow, this is really weird. I'm like, okay, so that's that's where you are relative to where you think you are. Now you've got some information that you can move along with. And I didn't say pull your head back, pull, drop your chin down, feel like there's a line pulling your spine up, open your chest, Retract your shoulder blades, uh, put your, put enough tension in your abs that you're not going to fall over when you have to turn around the corner. No, just straighten up against the wall. What does that feel like? Can you hold that position? So that's simple. But it's not simple. It, it, no, it is but simple, that, but it's not simple for most that's what I mean. people because they don't know how to do so, it. Exactly. But if you can give them a reference point. Yes which is exactly push them up against the wall, bang, bang, bang. This is where you should be, or this is where you could be if you don't want to be prescriptive about it. That's different to what you're feeling. Walk away from the wall, notice the difference. Now you've got data where you are versus where you think you are. Mm -hmm. You can make the adjustment. I don't have to cue a million and one things unless you say, okay, I'm trying it and this isn't working. Okay, well then let's talk about how you can get the feeling of, elongation in your spine or something like that bit by bit but they've got a starting point rather than coming to the gym okay day one overhead squats with half body weight uh, <laughs> coach coach i don't think that's a good idea coach I, I mean i can remember this is this is one thing that's fascinating i had an olympic marathon runner who came in once she couldn't jump with both feet up onto a one foot box she she couldn't do it. She, and it was not that she didn't have the physical capacity to do it. She couldn't work out the mechanics of it because she'd never done it before and she had no reference point. It was always one leg in front of the other. And strict coaching. Yeah, very. Leg. Like all she knew how to do was run. And I was like, you are lit. She was literally Olympic level. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm not going to name names. And um, we got to the point where she could do it, but it was just such a mind uh, for her. So 
And it took me a long time as a coach to try and work out, well, like, what's the movement pattern? Is there a dysfunction here? What's going on? But largely it was just there was there was nothing there to build this idea upon. So we were doing step-ups on the box, then jump down off the box, and then doing sort of sort of plyometrics, jump down a little bit and then do a little bounce. It was like really baby steps so that she didn't have this anxiety about jumping up onto a box because I largely I think there was a fear that she was just going to fall on her face or hurt herself yeah just exactly she wouldn't hurt herself hurt, hurt her ankles well, or enough. something when she's a runner yeah yeah fear of so all of these other blocks mm. yeah so yeah that's that was always interesting stuff and it, to a large extent what I do now is exactly the same so you can you can go really really deep into looking at very involved breath practices and and normally when you go down that pathway you're either moving into the ancient pranayama yogic practices that are very subtle but yeah. there's like years of things to learn and and i am no expert in 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 this stuff like i'm i'm still a novice i'm happy to say i'm a novice because there's thousands of years of material so it doesn't matter if i've studied all my life i'm still going to be a novice so you can go deep into that but with that, if you have a guru who teaches you that, you get a little thing for a long time and then you get the next thing for a long time. It's very, very not Western. Or you go the scientific approach where you're starting to move things in a more regimented fashion. But there's a lot of different things that you can move. How long you hold the breath, when you hold the breath, what activity you do with your holding the breath. Do you hold the breath? How fast do you breathe? How long do you breathe in? How do you hold after you breathe in? How long do you breathe out? Do you hold after you breathe out? How long do you do that for? What's the effect of all of these little dials that you're changing? So you can, all of a sudden, your head can just go, I don't know what to teach anyone. So yeah. what's so what's what's the simple thing with functional breathing? I just shut your mouth. Three words. <laughs> shut, shut your mouth. Your mouth. Your mouth. It actually says it on the back of my. It says it on the back of my t-shirt. It's quite funny. I got it. I got it made up for a boxing gym. It says, "Shut your pretty little mouth" on the back of my t-shirt. It's a little bit rude, um, but again, so distilling all of this stuff into something that gives whomever is interested enough to make a change. It's bang for your buck. If you shut your mouth and breathe through your nose. You get a whole bunch of benefits. The other stuff can sit on top. And it's so, really yeah. interesting because you've said in previous um, talks and things that when you shut your mouth, particularly when you're walking, um, breathing through your nose, it's an art because when you've been used to breathing through your nose and out through your mouth and then you try, to, you change that. And are constantly mm -hmm. thinking, oh, I've got to breathe through my nose, I've got to breathe through my nose, breathe in and out through my nose. Because you've been conditioned to do one thing, it takes a period of time to change that mm -hmm. to the right way. But mm -hmm. the benefit of that is you can go faster, your focus is better, and you're more alert. Mm -hmm. All of those things are more. It's amazing. Mm. And what did you do? You literally did one thing differently. You just kept your lips shut. Your shut lips touching out. each other. <laughs> There's no, no, no tension. Just the lips just touching. And, mm. and people are amazed. Like I, I will have people who come in who are so highly strung and they'll have breathing dysfunction because they're highly strung. So they breathe like someone who's having a panic attack 24-7. So they're breathing through the mouth. And we won't do any breathing exercises. I'm just, all I need you to do is shut your mouth. I need you to do that as a practice. So lie down or sit down for 20 minutes, two or three times a day, and just breathe with your mouth shut. That's it. And when you go for a walk, breathe with your mouth shut. Because all of the things that I need to introduce with like normalized volume of breathing, breathing deeper into the lungs rather than up into the chest, actually filtering and warming and slowing down the air and all of those things, these all happen and the individual did one thing. And because they're already highly strung and they've got too much going on in their head, they don't need 
like a book of instructions of things to remember. Here are the 23 steps that you need to do to calm down. No, 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 no. All I want you to do is shut your mouth. That's it. Breathing is is a calming mechanism anyway, isn't it? But when you're in a flight mode, you if you start breathing, you'll you'll come back to some form of normality. In- well, it can go it, it shifts state. So you can go in either direction. If mm-hmm. if you're highly excited, you can use the breath to calm down. Yes. If you're fa- if you're fatigued, you can do an energizing breath to like bring about some energy and and switch yourself more into a fight flight active state. Of course, you have to pay the piper at some point. So if you do that too many times, you just deplete yourself. But for example, if it got to four thirty and you've got one more meeting in your day and you're just feeling really tired, instead of having a, a Red Bull, you can do an energetic breathing exercise, moving your arms about, breathing in a certain way to give you enough energy and focus and concentration to do that. But you just have to be aware that afterwards you might need to recover your breathing in a certain way and give yourself some space and time because you, you've you kind of overclocked. Yeah. You don't want to do that too many times. But you, everyone knows what it looks like when someone's scared, when someone is anxious or stressed out or overwhelmed, you know what it looks like for that person in terms of their breathing. Everyone knows it. I've never had anyone say, I don't know what you're talking about. And it, it could contrast that to the yogi sitting on a rock in the in the Himalaya chill out right you know what calm breathing looks like very it's calm. pretty obvious it's you know that's very calm breathing mm. but i'm using it because it is a stark you know it's at the end of the spectrum of breathing right opposite ends so if you know that this is agitated breathing when you're breathing high and fast and erratic and through your mouth and you know that calm slow deep nasal breathing is calming relaxing soothing well which one do you want to do and for which purpose because you can change your nervous system and your perception of your experience by shifting your breath that's what's beautiful about it don't have to do any other process and if you're feeling a little bit lightheaded all you have to do is breathe Mm -hmm. to get more oxygen through the through the body into the brain and and just yeah don't over breathe because what's really interesting and here's one of the things that's it's this seems counterintuitive often when you're lightheaded it's not because you aren't breathing in enough oxygen it's that the oxygen that you are breathing in isn't flowing around your body and part of the equation there and it's not it's not the whole thing but part of it is when you breathe too much you breathe off a lot of carbon dioxide and the carbon dioxide is actually a a vasodilator so it opens up the blood vessels it also helps maintain ph in the blood and it also helps the hemoglobin release the oxygen into the tissues so if you breathe off too much carbon dioxide the oxygen that you've breathed in doesn't get into your brain but your body does this thing that says breathe some more because there's not enough oxygen in my brain and you actually go down the wrong pathway. So again, the solution's the same. You close your mouth. And it's interesting though, when when we had to wear masks, how much were we oh, breathing in? It was it's terrible. ridiculous. And the and the nurses and the doctors and everybody in the hospitals and those sorts of places that are still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff. What are they breathing? It's interesting. Well, see, the interesting thing is you can use masks and things like that to to affect a change in your breathing, but wearing it constantly is one thing. Wearing it constantly and chronically, I would say, is kind of maybe the more correct term. It's not good because you are breathing in what you've just breathed out. And now not only that, because this is the hilarious things about these masks, they don't actually stop the stuff coming in in the first place. Like no, we all don't. know that it's it's an open secret. They <laughs> don't do what they're supposed to do. Like those blue masks, the blue masks are to stop spittle, like the obvious exchange of bodily fluids, mm. orally, nasally. Perfectly good at that. Single use. Thanks for coming. They're not to stop bacteria and viruses. And what they've 
what they found in schools was kids were getting tired because of how they were breathing. Like they yeah. just weren't oxygenating enough. And what am I doing? I'm wearing a mask inside, which has already got terrible air anyway, because most of those school rooms don't have windows open and they've got air conditioning, which is stripped of all nutrients. And then you've got a mask on. Yeah. So again, and that's a simple thing. Like the, everyone's talking about how complicated that whole dilemma was. That wasn't a complicated dilemma. Not that little bit. Some of the other parts were, but you can, there's still opportunities to simplify these things. Is the mask working? Yes or no? No, don't wear it. Simple. Like, but we have all of this other stuff wrapped around it. And it becomes a complicated discussion about he said, she said, and you know, blah, 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 blah. They did and they didn't. And yeah, and it was all BS. Sorry. Yeah, I have just to say that. Well, it just wasn't based on a solid foundation. The hilarious thing that I find is is people who are waxing lyrical about, like, you're a bad person because you're not wearing a mask, were citing science, but they were citing some version of science that wasn't scientific. It's hilarious to me. Hilarious. Oh, there was, there, was, there was so much of that going on, but we're not going to go there because... Oh. No, no, no. But I, I, find it I find it fascinating, and I'm not pointing fingers. Like, everyone did the best that they could do maybe except for the people that were making bazillions of dollars. Um, yes. But, you know, most people most people were like, they got an amount of information, they made decisions based on that information. It's just faulty information. Uh, but again, you know, we get back to the topic of our conversation. It was pretty easy if you took a moment just to see what was simple and what wasn't simple and like make decisions for yourself. The same is true with every other aspect of health, wellness and performance. You don't have to make it complicated. Like, What's the one thing that you can shift right now? Don't shift it all. Shift one thing. Yeah, but we don't, as humans, a lot of the time we don't think like that because we're usually multitasking, thinking of this, thinking of that, and we really can't think of what we actually need to do one thing exactly. at a time. And exactly. so you you look at our environment, which is, pretty amazing and then you look at you know supermarkets you look at those places um air conditioning i hate air conditioning hate it with a vengeance really unhealthy <laughs> that's my opinion i'm allowed my opinion aren't i <laughs> it's you your podcast <laughs> but with a breath i mean you know everyone does it Everyone does it differently. Mm -hmm. Everyone, I mean, pregnant women, when they give birth, if they breathe, it helps them through the birthing process. If you're Beautiful in, example. Yeah. If you're in pain and you breathe, if you have a mm -hmm. snake bite and you need to slow down the circulation so that the poison doesn't get through your body, what do you do? You slow down your breathing. You control it. It's it's kind of common sense, but it's not common sense, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, of course it does. I see it all the time. I often have people say, why would I bother? I I'm breathing. And I'm like, yes, you are. Would you like to breathe in a way that's actually beneficial and can shift your experience to something greater than it is right now? Like, where are you stuck? I can't seem to walk up that hill. Well, that's an easy one. That's a That's a gross physical thing. We can sort that out. Where else are you stuck? Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, like a belief system. Oh, well, we can shift that and we can start with the breath. How do you do that? Well, many different ways. Well, you were just talking a moment a moment ago about uh, becoming so distracted with things. The breath is a beautiful way of teaching focus. How so? One of the first exercises I'll teach people is just like, I always say shut your mouth. So that's an obvious, right? Shut your mouth. And now just focus on the breath going in and out of your nose. But what if I do if I think of something? Oh, that's okay. Just think of that thing. And then when you're ready, come back to focusing on the breath going out of, in and out of your nose. But what else do I do? There's nothing else to do. Like you have a single point of focus. There's only one thing to do. If it becomes too much for you at that time, stop doing it. Come back to it later. That's it. Like we can take away perfectionism. We can take away judgment. We can take away all of these little intricacies of practice. And that's not to say that's all there is, but if distraction's your problem, if overwhelm's your problem, let's just do one thing really well. 
like, like just let's focus on one thing. Oh, and by the way, while you're doing that, you're calming down your breath and your nervous system starting to chill out and your vagus nerve is sending all of these lovely, warming, healthy messages to your brain and your mind goes, hey, this is all okay. And then all you did was what? You shut your mouth and you probably put your attention right in the point of your nose and you felt the air going in and out. That's about as simple as it can get. It's all a matter of education because we we haven't been a we haven't been taught to concentrate. I mean, for years with exercise, you would breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And Pilates came along, and you breathe in through your nose and you breathe out through your nose in Pilates. And to go and do that when you've been used to breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth, then going to Pilates. That that in itself, just the breath, has to be concentrated on apart from everything else that you have to concentrate mm-hmm. on in the class, which is quite amazing. But once you perfect that, oh, can I say perfect? Or once you get that right, then it just comes naturally and then the other things will will move through more naturally if they're mm-hmm. that's correct English I don't think it is but anyway that's okay it's good <laughs> enough for our purposes <laughs> let's not overcomplicate the language there's about 83 different ways to say that sentence let's just let's just stick with the one that came out it's perfect oh. what's really interesting when we talk about things like Pilates is let's let's look Contrasted to yoga, everyone gets really excited about the asana practice, the actual movements, the positions, as if they're the reason you do yoga. It's the, not the reason that you do. It's the breath. Yeah. The positions exist to give you something to breathe into and around and with and through. Because if your breath is lost in that position, then that's where your work is. <clears throat> took me years to work out how to do a downward dog and breathe properly. I'm like, I'm upside down here. And there's a big stretch in the front part of my torso. Oh, this is weird. And my all my arms are up and my shoulders are pulled back and my pelvis is in a weird spot. How do I breathe here? Well, actually, I can't really do a deep belly breathe. This has got to be a different kind of breath. Where does that go? Which muscles do I use? There's so much information there, but we lose it. The, the Western interpretation of yoga, for the most part, not everywhere, like misses the fundamental understanding of where breath sits. It's like breath comes later. Breath doesn't come later. It starts with the breath and then the, the posture sits on top of the breath. And that's when I was saying, like, when you introduced me, you were like, we were talking, it was talking about the, the sort of the lost art of breathing. Mm. And that's kind of what I mean. People have known this stuff for thousands of years. Like the Greeks talked about pneuma the the um is qigong from the chinese uh, traditions tai chi there's the pranayama from the hindu uh, yogic traditions and that's not the only ones you could probably go like there's definitely different shamanic traditions that have to do with breath but not not as well documented uh american indians uh native australians all had different <coughs> ways of doing breathing um, this uh, one. So it's all there. Yeah. What's the, um, gosh, I can't think of it now. Um, but you're breathing in. What is it? I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Anyway, but I mean, it's something that we take for granted as humans. We, we breathe. Absolutely. We do it. It's just an automatic thing. It's like our heart beating, it's like, you know, our pulse. Our blood circulates through our body unless we've got obstructions somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And then it struggles. And then our Mm -hmm. breath and the air getting to our brain makes makes you tired. If you're not breathing properly, you get tired quickly or quicker Mm -hmm. than what you normally would. So if you're breathing and getting that oxygen in and circulating it around your body and into your brain, you feel much better. But most of the time we shallow breathe. We shallow breathe. Mm-hmm. We breathe from here to here. We don't go down here at all a lot of the time because we don't concentrate on it. No, we don't. And see, here's the thing. Like, And, again, like just, just relating this back to this idea of simplicity, 
we could start to talk about like where the alveoli are in the deeper areas of the lung and that's where the actual gas exchange happens and that's why when you breathe high it doesn't work as well for you mm. and also then we could talk about the musculature you're starting to use bigger muscles up here to do the work rather than the actual muscle that's supposed to largely drive it it being a diaphragm we could start to explain this and we could say so what you really should be doing is breathing deeply or and i know this sounds like i'm repeating myself because i am you could just shut your mouth now how does that help well it helps in a bunch of ways but one of the most um What's the word I'm looking for? Um, misunderstood ways is that because your nose is a smaller orifice, it requires more effort to breathe just from a mechanical point of view. So what happens is your diaphragm is recruited more. So it being recruited pulls the lungs down, creates negative a negative vacuum in your lungs, sucks the air in, sucks it in deep. Rather than maybe using the big muscles up here to pull up, we, of course the air's going in, but where's it going into? It's like it's going in so shallow. Mm. And of course, when I showed when I showed that just then, I did it through the mouth because it kind of seems like the two go together. To breathe high, you breathe through your mouth. To breathe deep, you breathe through your nose. Mm. So this is this is why it's the first thing. Like you start to breathe deeply the moment you close your mouth. Can you breathe high through your nose? Yes, but you almost have to make yourself do it. And also, you know, with singers, how do they breathe? They're taught to breathe deep because that's deep. where their voice comes from, not mm -hmm. up here. Their voice comes from here. So their breath has to come from here as well when they're singing. And speakers, you, you can tell those speakers that know how to breathe than those who aren't breathing correctly. If you're mm -hmm. watching them and you'd be well-versed in, in watching people speak. Yeah, I'm a bit voyeuristic when it comes to that kind of thing. Cause it's <laughs> always like, how's this person breathing? What's interesting is watching people uh, on podcasts because a lot of podcasts are now visual. Yes. So there's a lot of, clearly there's a lot of talking, like we're doing it right now. Watching people who do talks. So, you know, the obvious one will be a TED talk because you can watch a snippet of a TED talk and you can watch some of them. Or just having a conversation with someone. Now, what's really interesting is the people that aren't worried about saying what they need to say seem to breathe better because they're not in a rush to get all of their words out and they don't mind if someone jumps in. They're, they're not so egotistical that it's all about them. So it actually makes them better communicators. It's it's interesting because you touched on a couple of things there because usually we are ready to pounce and answer the question or, or say what that person is going to say because and the breath's being held because you want to jump in to say mm -hmm. it and instead of allowing them to finish and then you go in and, and say what you need to say and, and that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's rude, but it's also if you watch someone doing that, they're kind of holding their breath. Anxiously and eager and waiting. <laughs> Is it my turn yet? Is it my turn yet? Yeah. And you can anxiously, hear it in the voice. Yeah, anxiously waiting, thinking, oh, I want to say something here. I want to say it. Yeah. So it's it's What's interesting. It's very interesting. And what I have noticed is people that are taking their time and nose breathing while they speak, they seem a little bit more considered in what they're saying. And you almost hang on their words a little bit more because they're not rushing. So it's, it's almost like they're not trying to prove themselves. They're really laid back. They've got something important to say. And if you're patient enough, it'll, it, it'll happen in its own time. So you're almost as the listener, you have to earn it a little bit. It's not going to come out in a 30-second, you're not just vomiting words out. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. And I've actually used this idea with, with people who've come to me for breathing and then have, you know, dropped some something into conversation about their relationship not going well. So I will say to them, I keep saying the same thing over and I know at Faye I say the same thing over and over again. I just say, how about the next time you're having a discussion you shut your mouth. 
And I go, oh, and, and do what? And I'm like, well, just breathe. Because when your mouth's shut, your ears will be open. And they're like, two weeks later, they come back for a session. Oh, my Lord, we're having the best conversations of all time because they're not trying to talk over each other. Mm. Because the egos are not fighting. No. It's No, and, be, and it only takes one side to do it, and then the other side will often model. Mirror image, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because... Once upon a time, I used to speak really fast and I'd say things and people would interpret what I said in a different way to what I'd said it. Mm -hmm. Now, I've, I made a comment uh, just recently. I was listening to a recording that I did. I thought, gee, I'm speaking pretty slow here, aren't I? And someone said to me, but that's good because people can understand you. And they'll listen to exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very, <laughs> since I've met you, I'm very conscious about how I breathe now. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And it's really interesting to see sometimes, you know, because I get up really early and I can have a bit of a slump in the afternoon. But if I'm breathing properly, I'm fine, and drink mm -hmm. water. Helps. It does. It does. It's it's quite interesting. Tell me about one of the hardest clients that you've worked with, one that's really not got the concept and is really struggling with it. Have you had any? Oh, heaps. And it's people who think they know better or they're not ready for the information. That's okay. So I'll give you I'll give you one example. The best example is my mum because she's my mum. So there's that dynamic to work through. Um, about nine months ago, they visited. She was post-viral. I don't think it was COVID because it just behaved in a, in a non-COVID fashion. But she's she's had pneumonia. She's had bronchitis. She's had asthma as a child. Her lungs are the strongest lungs. So I said, is it now time for you to do some work with me? And she said, yes. And we had to get over her psychological understanding of what was going on with her breath. Break through the belief structures of what she can and can't do with her breathing. So the way that worked for us was I gave her the education and the exercises. She went home before she'd learned everything. And it was just tested in your own time. There's no pressure from me. You, you put in the work that you want to put in and you'll get the result that you want to get. And eventually, as she started moving more into the work, I'd give her a little bit more. And then what started coming back were not complaints about how hard it was, were revelations about how well she was breathing. So it's it's sort of like cracking the egg at the start to make the omelette. Yeah. So she's not my hardest client, but it's a it's just a great example because she didn't want to listen because she just wanted it, she just wanted to be able to breathe better. She just and wanted it, to not it, have the problem. An easy fix. Well, I don't think she wanted an easy fix, but I think it was more trying to get her head around the idea that she had to breathe to get better at breathing. Mm. But we breathe. Was, and, and, yeah, but I'm we already breathe. breathing. How do you get yeah. better at so, breathing when you're breathing already? you got to practice. <laughs> the same as walking. Mm. I'm... Anyone who's ever worked in a gym will, again, voyeuristic, you watch people walking down the street, you look at physical movement, you look at human movement, you look at what's going on. You could nine out of 10, if not more, if that's even possible, 99 out of 100, you know, people are not work, walking correctly. I don't profess to be walking correctly at the moment. I know at the moment that my pelvis is tilted a little bit and that's why my left hip's a little bit sore and therefore I'm walking in a fashion that blah, 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 I could keep going on. I know that's happening for me. When it gets important, I'll do the work. I'll do the work to do the walk. <laughs> but but again, it's that same kind of thought. Like I'm still walking. It's, it's okay. It's not causing me enough of a problem for me to do anything about it. And And I think that's true with breathing as well. And because people don't understand yet, or, you know, like as a society, we have forgotten that, it's not just about getting to okay. Like we can get to optimal 
and breathing is part of that. Like drives me nuts when people try and learn how to sleep better and they don't they don't work out how to breathe while they're sleeping. Like you're never going to sleep well if your breathing is dysfunctional while you're sleeping. You can't be the best athlete possible if your breathing's not sorted. You can't be the best singer. No, you can't. Well, you can't even be good at it, really, mm. let alone great. So I, I find that, you know, that I'm not disappointed that we're at this state because it's a great opportunity for me. It's a great opportunity for people to turn the dial on something that they're not even aware of. So all of that's wonderful. But it does speak to you to like we're used to something and then we have to be prepared to be curious and then to investigate and then to put in the work to shift. And that's what I'm all about. And we have to be prepared. And that's that's kind of all around education isn't it? it it's educating people do you do group education do you do mm-hmm. you do yeah all of uh, the above so I, I work one-on-one and I work in groups right. I, I really enjoy I really enjoy one-on-one because I can get into the nitty-gritty the subtlety you know I know I've talked about simplicity a lot but at a certain point we start to work subtly yeah it's like profound changes that that come about with small input differences. Well, you've got to do the work first. It's, it's kind of like a, a curve. If you don't do the results. work, nothing happens. Oh, that's you, exactly right. That's you've exactly got to right. Take, take the action. But also understand what you're doing and why you're doing and the benefits of what you're going to get out of it at the end too. So it's, it is in the education there to be able to understand, okay, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to sleep better, I'm going to work better, I'm going to be more focused, I'm going to be happier because my body's functioning better. There's so many, there's so many things to consider when you're talking about breath. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest, I don't never think about it. I do now, but I never thought about it mm. uh, at all. I know that when I sleep now, if I breathe, I do some breathing exercises, I, I will go to sleep quicker than what I will if I don't. So, yeah. Mm. What are some tips for people who are highly stressed, uh, not focused, don't understand why their body's feeling the way it is, what are some tips that you can give them, Adam? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll look at one that will encompass everything. I'm going to repeat myself, but I'll give a, I'll give a bit more explanation. And then you can probably hear that my computer is binging in the background. It's telling me that I need to leave. So I'm going to leave, I'll leave you with this one. You need to create a container within your day, a period of time within the day that is sacrosanct for your own practice that is outside of everything else that you do. And if you want your focus to be simple yet effective, find the place that you can sit and lie down and not be interrupted. And do nothing. Close your mouth, breathe through your nose and follow the breath. Now, why do I say that? First of all, we've already talked about it actually starts helping you at a physiological level. It starts to calm you down at a nervous system level. So that if you're highly strung, you start to feel better at a, at a at a level that you can't really question because it's not mental feeling better. It's it's nervous system, it's body, it's somatic. You feel better at that level. If you can't focus, you're training yourself to stop doing anything and focus on one thing. And the thing that you're focusing on is something that's with you all the time which is your breath. So if at any time you lose focus or you need to calm down, the practice that you do within that container for let's say 20 minutes every day, you can do anywhere, anytime for 20 seconds and be back in that safe container of practice and get the same benefit because you can just lock back into it. It's not really all of that difficult to downregulate your nervous system I teach people how to do it in three breaths. It takes five seconds to get in instant focus. For most people, you can do it in less than a minute. Get your focus back. And it calms the same. 
you know, just that that feeling of calm in your body. Once you can feel it after you've practiced it, you know what the feeling's like, so you can get back to it. You've already got an anchor point. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. The first thing is like intentionality of practice. Give yourself the permission, the space, and the opportunity to do the work. People will say, I haven't got 20 minutes. And this is an old sort of meditation quote. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek that if you haven't got 20 minutes, then you need to find 40, <laughs> which is great. So everyone can find 20 minutes. If, if you can't, you can, well, if you choose to. like People in bigger cities who are commuting, there's your 20 minutes. Do it on the train. Oh. Do it on the bus. No one needs to know. Do it on the plane. No one needs to know that you're breathing. All that changed for everyone else is you just don't have your mouth open. You can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. And so it's all just very simple, focused, intentional working with the breath. But there's you don't need to count. You don't need to change the way that you breathe. All you do is close your mouth so you can breathe through your nose and you let your breath do what your breath will do naturally. And you just witness it. You just become aware of it. That's your focal point. So all of those three things you ask for, it's done in one exercise. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks, Adam. Um, great conversation that we've had about breath. Uh, hopefully people, when they listen to it, will take away some some good ideas and feel better about themselves. How do they get in contact with you? You can type my full name into any search engine and if you find anyone other than me i want you to find me so i can meet that person because there's probably one or two people that have got my name in the world and i'm one of them so adam stanecki surname is s-t-a-n-e-c-k-i can type in breath geek as well Uh, i'm on all of the socials except tiktok and (laughs) uh, youtube everywhere so um yeah get in touch i'm happy to have a conversation i'm about the place Good. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I'm Sally Waterman, the Conversation Curator. This has been What's Your Superpower, the podcast. And I'll be back next time with another guest. If you want to be on the show, connect with me and we can talk about what your superpowers are. Adam's superpower is breath and teaching you how to use it. So connect with him, have a conversation and learn how to feel better, more focused and more energised. Bye for now.